Kill you in truth with my guy, Chad Brown. No, Nate Jackson. Nate is finishing an article about Mike Shanahan. And he has spent a lot of time with Shanny recently, Chad, and uh, doing deep dives and into the world of Mike Shanahan. What What is your relationship with Mike Shanahan as a former Bronco? <laughs> right. So despite public perception, wait, I'm wait. not a former Bronco. Wait, wait, the- wait, wait. What? Yes, not? I am not. Yeah, this long-standing joke between uh, you and whatever audience we're talking to, because people often mistake me for Broncos publicly. If I go to, you know, back when we used to work for a radio station together, we would do appearances at a certain barbecue spot. And it would be shocking how many people would come up to me with a Broncos hat or a Broncos jersey and want me to sign. And I would have to go, you know I'm not a Bronco, right? And they would go, right, that's fine, just just sign anyway. So apparently I'm an honorary Bronco. I have spent time in the Bronco alumni suite on many nights where <laughs> I was walking around the stadium and come on in. I'm like, dude, that's like the Bronco suite. They're like, yeah, yeah but you can come well, in. Yeah. So I guess I'm this weird honorary Bronco. Uh, yeah, so it is what it is. But to, I do have a bit of a relationship with Mike Shanahan. Okay. I've gotten to know him over the years. Um, when I was out doing my coaching internship in San Francisco, uh, I was out there for the off-season program, which was roughly seven weeks. Mike came out at least once a week or once every two weeks to spend time with Kyle. So I had a chance to chop it up with Mike a number of times. He would tell me how great I am on the radio. Um, I would oh. tell him I didn't believe him. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, By the way, I guess he was wrong. <laughs> there you go, but a bum. Um but uh, my first time talking to Mike Shanahan uh, was the Ohio Touchdown Club, which is a pretty prestigious football organization. Uh, I was defensive player of the year, and Mike was coach of the year. Wow. And we both got on a plane here in Denver, and um, I walked past Mike getting on the plane. He was in first class, of course. I was back in coach. Um, so I walked past Mike and got into my seat and I walked past him, um, in the airport as well. And he did not recognize me. So apparently someone pointed out to him who I was. Um, and then he was extremely apologetic that he didn't oh, recognize me, told me what a great player I was, what a great season I had. You know, um, it, it was, he, he was a very human guy at that point, you know, just a guy just apologizing for, for not knowing who one of his competitors was. You know, it's interesting, uh, despite a, a, a lot of years in the NFL and uh, attention, you do blend in, don't you? Like, you, you don't, uh, you really do blend in for, for whatever reason. I'm not exactly sure why. You're a, a strikingly attractive uh, gentleman, that's for sure. But it doesn't seem like you have, we're hanging out Alfred. Holy cow, man. You, you can't go anywhere. Right. Uh, maybe I'm being presumptuous here, but it feels like you don't have a problem in that department, which I think is a good thing. Am I right about that? You are absolutely right about that. I like going through life mostly incognito. Now, everywhere I go, someone recognizes me or someone says something to me. But I think because of the way that I operate, it's usually very low key. You know, somebody will walk by me and go, hey, man, go bus. You know, <laughs> like and, that. And it's just, just like it's that. Just nice and subtle. Yeah, I yeah, recognize yeah. you, but I'm not trying to disturb you. Right. But that's how I actually prefer it. Right. Um, yeah. How, how about how about hanging out with Alfred? What's that like? 
Oh, it's a, I mean, Alfred's completely different. Well, number one, when Alfred walks into a room, he is automatically the loudest human being in the room every time without fail. So when a 6'5 black guy walks in who's 275, 300 pounds and is super loud, um, yeah, he, he, he gets attention. Yeah. And just because of his, you know, his physique, uh, he had to play ball somewhere. So somewhere, something. The recognition is almost instant for that. So if you're hanging out with Alfred, of course you're going to be recognized all the time. Now you're hanging out with me. Chances are we'll be able to slide by very low key, and someone may just walk by and go, "Hey, man, I really liked you in Seattle." And by the <laughs> way, we're still, as I found out at a Super Bowl with you, we're still getting that VIP section with you, one I, way or the other, loudly I, or quietly. We're still in the VIP. I think I've got a really good mix. Um, and you know, if I wore giant, giant diamond chains and all that stuff, that would probably give me away. Um, but yeah, I get recognition, I get discounts, I get the love, but without all the overwhelming attention and oh my gosh, Chad Brown. No, that doesn't happen, which is great. All right, we gotta tell one story and not that story from Indy. We'll keep that story secret, Chad. Okay. We'll tell we'll tell the other great Indy story with me, you, and Alfred. So we're in Indy for the Super Bowl. And it's like, uh, it was a weird night, right? Like it was early in the week and maybe a Wednesday or something. And we're at this club. And again, if you got a Super Bowl ring, come on in. I think the, the public was paying $400 a ticket to get into that sucker. <laughs> and, and even in like, even in a private club sort of setting, there's even like the VIP, then there's the VIIP. There's, there's all sorts of different levels to places. So I go in with uh, Chad and Alfred, and yeah, it's like a who's who. There's all sorts of celebrities and stars. I think Von Miller was dancing with a shirt off. We saw our guy, uh, Mike Tirico, bouncing around there. And I mean, it was just one of like dozens and dozens of sort of famous people there. So I lose track of Alfred and Chad just for a pinch. You want to pick the story up from there, Chad? Yeah, so um, Alfred said, well, let's leave because, you know, Alfred's in, uh, a bit impatient. All the um, time, yeah. And a bit spur-of-the-moment kind of guy. So there's another party a couple blocks away. Indy, st- st- to this day, is still my all-time favorite Super Bowl city because of the ease of walking around and, and going from place to place. We, n- we never got into a cab. Right. We never got rented a car until they put us in a hotel 30 minutes outside of town. Right. But if you were within the city limits of Indy, you could just walk everywhere. Restaurants, parties, the stadium, team hotels, media appearances. It was awesome. Yeah. But anyway, Alfred says, let's go to this other party. And I say, well, shouldn't we go get DMAC? He says, no. So we just leave and don't text you for like 30 minutes until we're at the other party and we're inside the other party. Right. By that point, you are doing a live stream of the party you are at for on Twitter, you are <laughs> announcing who's at the party, what they're doing, and we're like, we got to go back and get DMAC to protect our friends from DMAC's live reporting of what they're doing at this party. Yeah, but the, the funny part is you're at the other party. And I'm getting this, uh, maybe it was text. I thought it was a call. I thought it was a call. Could be. And, Could and be. Alfred's like, hey, man, we're in the VIP section. And I go, where? He goes, upstairs. You were like a mile down the road. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, hang on. I'll go upstairs. 
And I'm like, oh, I can't get in there. He goes, come on, man. You got to get in here. It's great. Whatever. And I'm like, I, I, I don't, I don't see you. I, I, I can't get in. And he goes, oh man, uh, you got it. We're upset. We're looking at you. Right. He said, we're looking yeah, at you right now. <laughs> so here I am like, I, I, and I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, it's all me, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you guys did come back. Yes. And when you came back and I was like, where were you to me? Where, where were you to me? I don't even know when I found out that you guys weren't even in the bar uh, at that point, but um, it's one of the, the, it's one of the cleaner, funner uh, Super Bowl stories that we could uh, actually tell. Indy yes. was, Indy was, um, if anybody's wondering what makes a great Super Bowl city, it's not the weather. Well, maybe a little bit the weather because Minneapolis was just terrible and New York right. was, uh, was brutal. But in general, the weather usually in the vast majority of Super Bowls is, is fine. Even if it's a little chilly as it was in Indy, it's no big deal. What, what matters in Super Bowl cities is accessibility to whatever. Like, where is my hotel relative to where I want to go, to all the things that are going on? And I'll tell you this, Indy did it as good as anybody. Now, New Orleans just has some built-in... You know, I mean, because the French Quarter is right downtown New Orleans, near the hotels, near the Superdome. I mean, inherently, New Orleans is just built for a Super Bowl, for all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's another one with me and you, because I was feuding with Mike Silver at the time, yes. who your buddies with. I have made up with Mike Silver. We're pals now, actually. Nice, nice. Uh, we've actually talked off the, you know, behind the scenes. I've had good conversations with Mike. But at the time, we were not getting along. And this was crazy. This is another crazy one. We're in a bar. You want to talk about fun. Be in the French Quarter with Bubby Brister, who's from New Orleans, getting hammered. That was a blast. I mean, Bubby is hard to understand, period. But you throw a couple of cocktails at him in the French Quarter. I mean, it is unintelligible. I mean, I had no idea what he was saying. But you wanted to leave the French Quarter. You did leave the French Quarter and go like, some weird way out of the way, you know, behind the scenes bar with Mike Silver. And you're like, you got to come to like off the French quarter. Chad, how do you think I would do at 3 a.m. off the French quarter in some bar that nobody's ever heard of before? You, you think I would do well in that situation? Probably not. But you missed an epic, epic. I'll say it a third time, an epic night. There was a brass band playing some old like uh soul hits and james brown they were killing it uh michael silver jeff darlington from the nfl network and now espn we're hanging out drinking hard apple ciders the next the next night uh mike silver calls me and says where are you at i go to where he's at next thing you know i'm at dinner with hannah storm at some fine french restaurant with mike silver and hannah storm it was awesome the, all right yes all right, you missed all, all right. of that because of your beef with mike silver i was like dude come on it's gonna be great and it was great and you missed it hey weren't we hanging out oh my god seahawks player is dressed like bobby brown with the jacket who that was, was that that was ricky waters <laughs> ricky waters <laughs> ricky waters tell me he wasn't dressed like bobby brown that night he did have a, a very colorful leather jacket on yes ricky waters looking like bobby brown you know those were fun trips man i mean yeah. uh those but but the most fun thing about going to the super bowl 
uh, was hanging out with the fellas. You know what I mean? And and if you go like, hey, what do you miss most about playing the NFL? Everybody says the same thing, hanging out with the fellas. And it's not the Super Bowl, the game. I would stick around for the game. The game was boring compared to just what we were doing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. That was always fun. So a Super Bowl, you know, a Super Bowl in Vegas, to me, um, you know, I might be going. Actually, I may be going, but it's not with the fellas. Uh, might be with Vic Lombardi, who's awesome. I mean, I love Vic. But Vegas is just a little bit too much, I think, Chad. Like, the one thing that was great about Indy is that you'd all run into each other. I mean, are people really going to be running into each other in Vegas, or do you think it's just going to be kind of crazily over the top? I, th- I just think there's too many places to go, too much yeah. opportunity to for fun or parties or bars or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, um, while I booked a hotel room, um, and, uh, if I don't cancel my hotel room by midnight tonight, I got to pay for it. Look oh, wow. So, uh, I got to make a decision <laughs> what I'm going to do there, but I booked the hotel room. Um, yeah, so I'm planning on going, I'm just going to drive over from Arizona, very short drive, not bad at all. But yeah, I was thinking about, I, I signed up for some NFL PA events. There's a, there's a, you know, a hospitality room. There's a, uh, free medical testing where they can get they can do your EKG and blood tests and all those kind of things. They always have that available in all the Super Bowl cities. So I'm signing up for stuff and I'm like, wow, this this event's here and this event's two miles down the road there. And mm. one event's at the horseshoe. I never even walked into the horseshoe before. Why would I walk into the horseshoe? I don't know. You know, the hospitality rooms at Caesars, another one's at the Wynn. So yeah, it's gonna not be, in my opinion, from a media slash former player perspective, as good as Indy, as good as New Orleans, just because of the ease of walking around, the ease of walking into people. When we were walking with Ricky Waters, I don't know if you recall, we bumped into, I think it was Warren Sapp. And then we asked what Warren was doing. And he said, well, I'm going to, to the Snoop concert. So me and Ricky left and went to the Snoop concert. So that's how easy it was to do things, just to bump into somebody walking on the street. That's not going to be the case in Vegas. Yeah, man, we've had some fun times. Uh, I, I still think you should do it, though, because, you know, to me, it's always interesting in life. And we've talked about just experience life, being a fly on the wall in life and yep. just getting different experiences in the first Super Bowl ever in Vegas. And you got plans to go. I'd go. I'd definitely go and just, you know, see what it's all about. Um, and I love Vegas anyways. I've always had. I've had a lot of fun in Vegas and I've had uh, curled up in the fetal position uh, watching basic cable in Vegas too, because boy, oh boy, did I think I was getting divorced that night. That was terrible. That was, I had, I had been to, I've been to Vegas a couple of times and I was just so cocky and man, I didn't, I was not making a lot of money. I was pretty new over there at good old uh, one Oh four, three, the fan. This is like 15 years ago. And, um, Damn, son. I mean, I, I mean, it, to the to the degree where they go, you go to the ATM, they go, "Fuck you, you don't have any more money." It was like one of them <laughs> things, and I still had like um, eighteen hours until my flight was supposed to leave, and it was bad. It was really bad. So I had a meeting with the program director. I had one thing I had to do. So I went from my room down to meet with the program director. Pretended that I had money. I had like six dollars in my pocket. Seriously, it was terrible went back upstairs and it was so bad that I, I just was, what's the first flight out of this place. And the, the entire group was leaving at like eight 30 and I got on like the 7am flight. So nobody knew where the hell I was. I mean, I was actually back earlier than everybody because I just got to get the hell out of there. I didn't want the embarrassment of like, 
you know, answering like, where were you for the past like day in Vegas? Embarrassed that I lost so much money in the first like 12 hours of being there. So I learned a very, very, first of all, I didn't get divorced, which is a miracle. And second, Vegas, Chad, it's about careful moderation. Yes. You, you can you can have fun, but you, and it's always there. That's what I learned about Vegas. There's no rush in Vegas. Nope. Whatever you want to do, it's there. So the whole FOMO, fear of missing out, calm down. That Take it easy. It's take still it there. Ramp it up. Yeah. Ramp uh, my, it up. My hotel stays is Wednesday through Saturday. I'm not going to go to the game. Um so that that's that's about the maximum I can do in Vegas. Because uh, considering you're not just going to have a quiet night in the hotel watching Netflix, you're going to go out every single night. That's enough for me. I'm good. I'm good after that. Well, you know, I you know, I did not know that you were going to be there, and I may be there, and Vic may be there. We may be able to do a little kill you a truth there in Vegas for Super Bowl week, Chad. We may be, be able really to. Uh, I would dig that. Let's do, do it. We may be able to do a little cut. Maybe you can twist Nate's arm, get him out there. You never yeah. know. Yeah, you never know what uh, van down by the river we can all sleep in, but we can figure it out. All right. Um, in terms of the coaching carousel that's going on now, how much better, in your opinion, yes or no, or to what degree, would the Broncos have been better off had they acquired Jim Harbaugh? as he is now interviewed with the Chargers and the Falcons. So he is he is looking, and he's going there, not like when the Broncos had to go up to Ann Arbor. So it looks like he's pretty serious about getting back in the NFL. How much better off would the Broncos be if they had Harbaugh than Peyton? Ooh, uh, I think they may probably be in the same spot. I okay. think Harbaugh okay. would have recognized that Russell Wilson doesn't bring what he was looking for. Um, so I think things would be fairly similar. Um, would they have made the playoffs? Would they have won a couple more games? Uh, would they have won that Jets game that essentially Sean Payton motivated the entire Jets organization to kick the Broncos ass? Probably. They probably would have won that game. You know, Harbaugh is, you know, can be a jerk as well, but in a different kind of way. Um, so right, hold on. If, if Harbaugh is a jerk, why does everybody around him love him so much? Because he's a jerk who wants to win. And, and similar to Bill Belichick. Now, not similar personality-wise, not at all. Um, but there's a certain jerkiness to both Harbaugh and to Belichick. But I think it's undeniable that those guys are focused on winning and will do anything to win. Harbaugh had to sleep over at a recruit's house and slept in a bunk bed. You know, there's that, there's that weird Harbaugh stuff that's sometimes difficult to connect to, but that's the links he's willing to go to win. And, you know, when we would walk into that Patriots facility and we would see Bill come into a meeting in the rattiest, holiest cutoff sweatshirt ever, and his hair was all crazy, it's like, okay, this is going to be a long day. That dude slept in his office last night. Mm -hmm. He was grinding the midnight oil and probably woke up at four again to get going. And so this is going to be a long, difficult day because he's that, focused and dedicated to winning he's willing to do all that and sacrifice so despite the assholeness despite the jerkiness despite some of the unfair treatment despite all those things hey if you're that dedicated to winning then i will also be that dedicated to winning so i, I think that's where the methods maybe may differ but the effect on the football team for harbaugh and for belichick are, are very similar so same, you think it would have been the same result. You think he would have 
realized Overall, Russ in general, in general. And you think he would have he wouldn't have made Russ work? He would have realized Russ ain't the guy. Well, I mean, I think obviously Harbaugh has success with Colin Kaepernick, but Russ is not Colin Kaepernick. The ability to run the football is not there as it once was. So Russ five years ago in Harbaugh, oh, I think they would have been tremendous. But this version of Russ, who's you know when he runs the ball. Let's face facts. Russ is a little fragile. He got banged up a couple of times over the last two years running the ball. So to be used in a Colin Kaepernick kind of way, uh, he wouldn't have been able to finish the season. So, uh, again, I I think from a Russell Wilson perspective, whether it's Sean Payton or Harbaugh, things would be the same. Will Harbaugh turn around whatever team he's on? Do you think he's that good of a coach? Uh, I think he's a very good coach. Turnaround as in as a one year miracle turnaround or All a right, well let's let's say he process. goes let's say he goes to the Chargers. Let's take it one at a time. He goes to the Chargers in the AFC West, who have, let's think about it, on paper, a great quarterback, theoretically, right? Um, a great pass rush and playing a fantastic facility. I mean, what's not to love? In fact, they're building an incredible new facility too for the Chargers as well. So you've got everything at your disposal. Um, are they a playoff team with Jim Harbaugh? I think they are. I, I think there's enough talent over there. Now, they've got a bit of a salary cap crunch. So to be able to keep Mac and Bosa and some of these other guys, Derwin James and all these other guys, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to have to clean house a little bit, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of high-paid guys, a very underperforming defense, particularly under Brandon Staley, who was considered a defensive guru when he got the job. So I think things would change a little bit. But I think Harbaugh is smart enough to recognize what he has in Herbert and would be able to maximize that. Um, Harbaugh, in a weird way, is a bit of a quarterback whisperer. Mm-hmm. Um, despite, you know, some of the things that he does that seem very unquarterback like he played quarterback in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. I sacked him a number of times. You know, uh, I knocked his teeth out of his mouth. He was very proud to tell a story to his brother. I saw the the two Harbaugh brothers at Disney World. Um, okay, okay. I was with my family. They were with their family. I had the fast pass. They had the super VIP pass where they didn't even wait in line. They were escorted to the front of every ride they went into. That's, wow. what, that's how they did Disney World. Wow. But anyway, we both get off of Space Mountain at the same time. So I go up and start talking to them. And he's all excited to tell his brother about, yeah, this is the dude who knocked my teeth out. So he's grabbing his kids. He's like, this is the guy. This is why our dad has fake teeth. So it's a pretty cool story. <laughs> my kids were like, knock someone's teeth out, dad? Wow. Yes. Did you know you had knocked his teeth out? Uh, yeah, I saw the blood uh, on his face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a different time in my life. I was very proud of that. You want to describe the play? I mean, do you, do you remember the exact moment? Uh, I was a Pittsburgh Steeler. We were playing the Colts in the playoff game. I sacked him three times. Wow. Um, and one of those, I got his face mask and his face mask, you know, his chin strap unbuckled and his face mask went into his face and maybe that's what got his teeth. Wow. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's that is, aw- that is, you know, you got sneaky good stories, Chad. You got you got you got sneaky good stories. I got three sacks in a playoff game. We're kind of low key on that. I'm knocking out Harbaugh's teeth. I'm getting interrupted at Space Mountain. It's awesome <laughs> stuff, bro. That's good stuff. Hey, he should hire you. That should be your guy. Hey, I knocked his teeth out. <laughs> I think the criteria is a little for those NFL interviews is a little bit more, you know, than that. Where does Belichick end up as a coach? Ah, I know he's interviewed in Atlanta, um, yeah. and I know the owner there in Atlanta really likes him. I still think 
Belichick, uh, Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboy marriage just makes the most sense to me. Um, this window with Dak Prescott is open. They've clearly got a team that can make the playoffs. Now they need to win a playoff game. Who better else than the guy with the most playoff wins ever as a coach to get the Cowboys over the hump? It just seems to make the most sense to me. Uh, that way, Belichick can possibly ride off into the sunset with one more Super Bowl win. Jerry Jones can get what he's been desiring for. You know, the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl was against my Pittsburgh Steelers. So that was the last time they did that back in 95. So that's how long it's been for the Cowboys. Um, but I think the marriage between Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick would work great because Parcells has already greased those skids for him. Jerry Jones would know exactly what he's getting with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick would know exactly what he's getting with Jerry Jones. I think that'd be a tremendous marriage. So uh, probably Dallas, at least that's what I would like to see. If he ends up in Atlanta, that's a far more of a rebuild. Um, I know he's still chasing that Don Shula all-time wins record, but the possibility of getting another Super Bowl in Atlanta seems further removed than it would be in Dallas. Hey, let me check my watch here. Is Mike McCarthy been fired yet, Chad? No. He has not. <laughs> I love I love how open everybody is conversating about the Dallas job. And McCarthy hasn't gotten the Ziggy yet. But again, what time is it? Uh, because you got to do better. I mean, you got to do better. So um, maybe today is that particular day. And we go from there. You know what's interesting about that? If that Dallas job was open, would Sean Payton be the front runner for that Dallas job? Mm. I mean, there are so many Dallas connections with Sean Payton. Um, never mind his desire, his family, where he's from, all that sort of stuff. I think Sean Payton was just kind of desperate to a degree. Listen, the there were not a lot of other options there for Sean Payton. I mean, he's visiting with Arizona wearing orange ties on TV. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. it, it had not gone well for him. He really didn't have a choice. I do wonder, oh, I'll just get your opinion, in, in this coaching cycle, if Sean Payton was a candidate this year, where do you think he would fall? Do you think he'd still be one of the top guys? Yeah, I think so. I, I think his success in New Orleans uh, put him would actually put him in that category. Now, if he were to be let go after this year, for whatever reason, uh, I think his star is tarnished a bit. After this year with some of the comments and some of the off the field stuff and, and some of the comments about, uh, you know, other coaches and, and players on his team and all that. But I still think he would be considered a, a top guy. Sean Payton knows how to coach offensive football. He knows how to stack plays and, and, and organize a game plan offensively. He's clearly very or has had that talent and has been good at that in the past. We'll see with a different quarterback if he's able to do that here in the future with the Denver Broncos. But yeah, Sean Payne would be a top hire. Now, this is a bit of a weird year because Belichick is out there. Vrabel yeah. is out there. These are yeah. guys who are considered really good coaches who have a track record of success, clearly for Belichick, and some playoff success for Vrabel. Um, if you're an owner and you're not looking at those guys, you'd be foolish. All right, Chad. Um, always fun to chop it up with you. And we'll see what's next in the uh, the, the world of the coaches. And the Broncos said that they would take a week off and then sort of get to work. Here we go. It's a week off. So I would expect to hear something. So real quick, real quick, VJ, will he stay or will he go? Do they keep VJ or do they dump VJ here in the next week? I think they keep VJ. 
Um, I, I think that five-game win streak was enough to give him another opportunity. Uh, the defense, uh, despite you know having a lot of injuries in some pretty key positions, particularly safety, um, you know played well in spurts, particularly with, from the turnover perspective. The progression of some of the young guys, uh, particularly those edge guys, uh, I think VJ gets some credit for that. Some of his blitz schemes were able to create some pressure where probably the talent on the field didn't warrant that kind of pressure, but the scheme made it successful. So I've seen enough from VJ where I would think he would be back. Chad, there is no ass game. There's no Nuggets games. There's nothing going on with the Broncos. There's no events or parties or galas to go to. Nothing. Zero. Zippo. It's a rare just night of nothingness. Nothing on the road. Nothing at home. Just absolutely nothing. What is your advice to me in terms of what I should do um, with my wife? Uh, you guys should go to the grocery store together, pick out some ingredients, and cook a meal together and sit there and look at each other across the table, you know, locking eyes and mmm and awe at the deliciousness that you have just prepared together as a couple. Is that a sex metaphor? <laughs> no, I'm actually talking about food oh. there. Oh, you mean really go to the grocery store. Right. But, oh. but yeah, foreplay does not start in the bedroom. It starts in the kitchen. Boom. Kill you a truth. And I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs>